your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to a Wednesday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I am Rick Solom. On the phone with me for this hour is State Representative Jill Billings of District 95 Lacrosse and Shelby and Campbell, or some of Campbell, or all of Campbell and some of Shelby, one way or the other. All of Campbell, some of Shelby, all of Lacrosse. Yep. Okay. Um, well, thanks. I mean, plenty of you have. All the time in the world, so I was I was going to thank you for your time, but you're not doing anything, really. So, I mean, you might as well just come on the show, right? <laughs> There's nothing that's going right. on. Nothing going that's, on in Madison. Nothing's happening in Madison. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. I was like, Jill, what will we talk about? There's just, I mean, have you been in any parades lately? There's always uh, all you legislature legislators got to be in parades. All you politicians, I just nothing really to talk about. So, um, you know, actually, I was in the Labor Day parade, <laughs> right? But um, in Madison, um, things are are really in in unusual situation where there's a lot of legislation that and proposals that are being rushed through in an incredible way that I've, I haven't seen in my years in the assembly. And I, I'm trying to figure out if it's because Republicans are embarrassed by the proposals they brought forth, or they just don't want public input on them because they're not very good and the public's not going to be happy with what they're doing. So they're just trying to kind of shove stuff through or if they're trying to take, you know, that one bad idea comes up and they get a bad response on it, so then they come up with another bad idea to try to take the attention off that first bad idea that they proposed. Is it like I mean, it's it's a very interesting time right now in Madison? Is it like feeding grapes to a baby? You give the baby a grape and it eats it and it's sour, and the baby's like, ah, and then you're like, okay, well, we'll try this grape, and then the baby's like, ah, okay. Well, that seems like what Republicans are doing with trying to. Uh, not lose power with their legislative maps. They keep feeding grapes to the, we're, we're the baby. Well, I'm not, I don't live in Wisconsin, but like the voters are kind of the baby here. It's a terrible yeah, analogy. I, mean, I just, ca- I just came up with it. I don't even have a baby. Yeah, I think it's not bad. It's, it, it's like this idea is going to, like, I'm going to, it looks like we might end up having fair maps because there's a new Supreme court justice. So we're going to, take away the will of the people and we're going to impeach that justice. And well, people haven't been happy about that idea. Understandably. I think we talked about this a few months ago and I remember saying, I don't think that Republicans would do this because to take away someone's vote, that's so extreme. I I can't imagine Republicans would do that. And and now they're talking about doing it with a Supreme Court justice who won by almost eleven points. So it's not like it was a close election. It was it was it was very very determined, sure election. I'm I'm really laughing on the inside really hard that you thought a couple of months ago the Republicans might not do a thing. It's really <laughs> funny. Good one, Jill. <laughs> I should have said it two months ago, I guess. Now, in, in hindsight, it's like playing uh, Monday morning quarterback. Um, okay, on the list of the stuff, Jill's going to hang out with this hour. Child care, we still, that's still a thing. I don't know if anyone knows that, but child care, the situation is still a thing. Jill's got, uh, Jill's deep, you know, of all the things, that's the thing you're deep diving the most about, right? I don't need to get into it yet, but I just, right? That's kind of. 
Yeah, I'll be speaking on the floor tomorrow on a few. There are six bills in front of us. I'll be speaking on the majority of those bills. Okay, yeah, those bills are fun too, right? Like those, uh, I don't know, I should pull them up in front of me. Um, those don't exactly seem like they're going to help with child care. But the other things, uh, uh, impeaching uh, Janet Protasiewicz, the newly elected Supreme Court justice because of things she said and money she took, uh, that kind of leads to this map situation that broke yesterday. I, I'm kind of curious if you had any part in uh, the quote-unquote Iowa-ish model is what I call it. Um, and let's see. Oh, the other story that happened. These all happened yesterday. Uh, taxes. Governor Evers said he's going to veto. You guys p- p- uh, passed a tax income tax cut plan, right? Yesterday? Did yes. that happen yesterday? That it passed also- yesterday. Okay. Yep, it passed yesterday. And I call it an income tax cut plan, but it's, uh, you know, it's kind of. The, the idea that we have an income tax bracket between people who make 18000 and $405,000 a year is hilarious to me. So. Isn't um, that amazing? <laughs> and yeah. then, and then what? So maybe basically, we passed yeah. a, a plan that's not sustainable and is going to put us in a financial crisis in a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll be. Well, well maybe we should talk about that. Uh, and then uh, on the bottom of my list is poor Megan Wolf, the Wisconsin Election Commission chair, I guess, or not chair. She's uh, administrator, and uh, she's in the middle of whatever you want to call the 2020 election repercussions so Mm -hmm. um and and yeah so that's that's at the bottom of the list so like we don't even care about the you know woman that's in charge of elections in wisconsin and when we look at the rest of the stuff that's going on which seems insane because you know the kind of a important election coming up in a year maybe that should be at the top of the list i don't know but yeah jill billings uh state rep in district 90 now i just i had it in front of me 95 95 uh she's gonna hang out 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. We'll be back after this. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. State Rep Jill Billings joining us for this hour. Uh, just a ton. Okay. So this is funny, Jill. Like all this stuff that I just listed before the child care, impeachment, uh, district maps. Uh, I, oh, I have fentanyl on the list too. Uh, taxes, Megan Wolf. And then over the break, we have a more interesting conversation about like life, <laughs> about like kids that kids that graduate high school and then what to do, go to college, go get a job, uh, you know, like invest, you know, investing in college or, or, or taking some years off. And and then uh, I brought this up yesterday. I thought like as your, you know, your daughter's that she didn't just gra- she didn't just graduate high school, did she? No, no, no. Uh-uh. But uh, I, I said this yesterday. I, need, I said pl- high schools need to be more political, and that sounds crazy. You're like, what? No, we need to get politics, and I, I don't mean it by like they don't need to get involved in like Republican, Democrat, or other. As they need to get those maybe the the, the high school kids involved in politics, especially local politics, in a way that they understand how things work, what is going on. And then they can participate. Every once in a while, we'll see uh, a, a student get involved in a school board meeting. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. You know, but uh, I was pretty oblivious to politics until I started, you know, I guess literally sitting in the other side of the studio listening to Mitch and all the callers. Well, I was um, in, in high school, I was on student government, but 
you know, that was kind of things like, you know, organizing the dances. And I guess we did create, no, we did, I guess we did some policy stuff. Um, but I think I was at my high school reunion and one of my friends said she had served on um, her local town board and her, she thought that everybody should, should have that experience because she learned so much. She learned, she learned a lot about the public people in her town. Mm -hmm. Um, She learned that sometimes it's not as easy to get things done as you want. Um, She learned that there are a lot of people who want things, but don't want to pay taxes. That surprised her. (laughs) Um, And so it was, she said it was a really good experience and she had a greater appreciation for her town. Yeah. I I mean, it would be hard to get the whole high school on the town board that you would have to expand it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, what would be a good way to like you're talking to like high school government? That would be interesting as, as you just run like a city council, but like in high school, right? Like a high school type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would that would be a way to do that. Uh, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's a thing. And maybe maybe high schools are doing this. I haven't been to high school in a while. So I, I, the next time I have, uh, you know, somebody with the high school on, I'll, I'll maybe bring this up. I do know on the school board, they have a student who is a representative on the school board. Mm-hmm. My son's uh, good friend, Devin Graham, was the student representative um, their year. I think maybe they have one or two. Um, and I think that's it's it's good to have students who can give advice. I mean, they're making decisions about schools. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense. I know county board and city council each have a student member from college, from the university, um, on on each because the, there are enough students that kind of make up a, a seat actually, there. So actually, the county board the county board member just resigned, so we are trying to fill that position. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. I can't get the uh, lacrosse the new lacrosse school board president to email me back. So when the uh, the rules are that this, only the school board president can talk to the media, nobody else on the school board can. And then when the school board president doesn't email you back, it's kind of hard to get a to get a school board perspective on things. So I'm just, mm. but I'm just venting Jill. So it's fine. Yeah. Well, <laughs> keep Maybe trying. She, I say keep trying. Yeah. Right. Maybe she's listening. Um, all right. So what do you want to get into? Let's, let's get into childcare. You guys are going to vote on some legislation on childcare. None of it, in my opinion, seems like it's a great help to childcare, but that's just me looking at it from afar. What do you see with what you say? Six bills tomorrow that, that on childcare. Yeah. I have a couple of problems with these bills. The first one is the process that, uh, they were delivered to us. It was the Thursday, I think, afternoon before Labor Day weekend where they were put out for co-sponsorship. And our meeting, our, then they decided to do the public hearing the Wednesday after Labor Day. So basically we had two business days to talk to uh, parents, advocates, daycare providers about how this bill would affect them and that, that's something that I really try to do, contact people locally and yeah. say, what do you think about this? Um, and so I was frustrated with that. I mean, we've been talking about child care for years, years, and we need serious attention to this. I've, I've worked with the other side, Pat Snyder, who's the chair of the, of the committee, who's a Republican. And we've, um, for two cycles, I've tried to get a summer study committee on this. Last time I just gave all my homework to Pat and said, put your name on it. Maybe if it's got your name alone on it this time, the Republicans will accept this as a summer study committee. 
those are committees where you do an intensive look in one area. And so you bring providers in and Department of Children and Family and legislators on both sides in the Senate and Assembly. And then you come up with a package of bills to address the issue. That's what we really need. And they wouldn't accept it because I don't know why it's frustrating. So Pat was, he was frustrated. I was frustrated. And anyway, then one of the members came up with this legislation and it doesn't solve the problem at all. Do you, um, do you want to break down? Childcare is expensive for parents, right? And it's, we have a shortage of teachers because teachers don't get paid enough and they can go get a job at quick trip or someplace else that pays more and less stressful. Um, and, um, and you can only have a, you know, a certain number of kids per teacher. It's not like you can, I mean, one of these bills says, let's just, you know, yeah, push can, more kids into the classroom. What, well, these are little kids. Can we break down? Uh, I think I have the bills. So I'll just go in order here. AB 387 would enable parents to set aside up to 10 grand a year before taxes to pay for childcare costs. You know, because all the parents out there that just got 10 grand laying around, hey, we'll just set that aside for next year's childcare. Good, good stuff. Yeah, that, that that one didn't come in front of my committee, so that one uh, went in front of Ways and Means because there was a fiscal element to that or something. Yeah. So the the issue with that one is, I mean, we've got child care counts, which is where the governor put money into keeping um, child care centers open. They were able to pay their teachers a little more so they would stay um, they could do some of them did things like one child care center wrote to me and they said, we got new carpet for the first time in 20 years. Now these are little kids that are in that center. Definitely. They probably needed new carpet after 20 years. Um, so it improved infrastructure of child care centers that helped with, um, teacher salary and it kept the lights on, um, so that we could keep these child care centers going. So I don't know that this is the, the solution, um, that we're looking for. Okay, so the next one, and this one might not be in your wheelhouse either. Uh, 388 would create a $15 million revolving loan fund for child care center operators to finance renovations. So again, like here, we'll let you borrow money. Well, yeah, and on face value, you know, again, I'm, I'm in favor of, of um, helping improve infrastructure. That's something that, you know, is, is nationally regarded as a good invest, investment. But the problem is when you talk to child care providers, I mean, they've got a razor-thin profit line. I talked to one woman who said, I'd, I'd like to just make something, you know. I, I'm really not making much. I'm keeping my doors open. I'm keeping um, people in these jobs. I'm keeping people employed. I'm providing a service to the community, but I am not making much money at this at all. Um, and so to give her a loan to maybe like put a roof on the place or a fence in the backyard, or that's what they talked about. It could do things like that. Um, the problem is those people are making razor thin margin right. of profit. And so where's the money going to come to pay back these loans? And an amendment just came, showed up in my office a few hours ago. Really, these bills are not, they're not soup yet. This amendment showed up in my office from the author, and the amendment says if they can't pay back the loan, they have to, to sign a personal guarantee or put up collateral. So to me, this looks like a way to have child care providers lose their houses or cars or something. I mean, dear God. Can they use their kids um, as collateral? Just put up one of the kids, that's it? No. Um. <laughs> no kidding. I mean, it's, it's, it's just not a solution. So 
I, I mean, my I said, look, what if we just do grants for people to help if they feel like they need, like if someone wants to start a daycare center, but they need to put a fence around their backyard, can we give them a grant yeah. to help so they can open the doors and, 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 and make, help make their, this is, would be for an in-home child care center so that they could, you know, start their center and have more slots for people in the community for kids. Okay. Um, I'm going to go like a sidebar here and mm-hmm. I'm just, this will give you the break to think about it. There was a four-year-old that died in lacrosse. Yeah. And it was the I think a Kimitri Riles I think it was the the 16-year-old that it happened that that quote unquote did it or allegedly did it. Yeah. And and then he then he turned 17 and it was kind of this fight whether we'll try him as an adult or a child and I think we're going to try him as a 16-year-old instead of an adult now. Um but he he was watching his uh family. So he was he's 16, he's at home. It's summer, right? So and I don't know the details, but I think maybe somebody, maybe I will. Uh, we, what was the situation where Kimitri Riles is at home watching a four-year-old and other kids, other family members, I would assume, like other kids in his family, where maybe his, maybe his parents are at work and he's the daycare? But c- because that's what a lot of families are um, pushed to because they can't afford childcare. Then, okay, well, I got a 16-year-old at home. Maybe he could watch the kids. But obviously, like... It, it didn't work out because a, a four-year-old was killed because he pushed her over and uh, she hit her head. And, you know, so and, and I'm, I'm kind of like it's this is far fetched at this point because I don't have all the details. But this, in my mind, I'm like, this is this is maybe what happened. And, and it's not like and that's the worst case scenario. But I bet a lot of families have like a kid that's 12, 13, 14. When does it when, Jill, when do you let your child start babysitting? Well, there there are a couple issues here. Um, you know, I, I don't know the details of that situation either. And that certainly was a tragedy. Um, but I think it points to the fact that this is, it's stressful. It's stressful to, um, take care of children. And, um, you know, what we're talking about, I think is early childhood education and professionals should be doing it. I mean, if you, we need people who have training, who understand brain development with kids, who have the ability to have the patience and um, the maturity to to watch children well, and, and to and that, and um, help them with development. And that's within and the child care center. But on the flip side, the families that can't afford child care then they they have to they have to figure it out, right? Both we're in a world where both parents work now. So if we can't afford to send the kids to childcare, and I know people argue, well, then don't have kids. Well, okay. Well, we just, nobody will have kids anymore ever except rich people. But if we can't, if we're in a situation where the, the, once your kid turns 13, 14, 15, okay, well then you can watch the other child and I'll go to work and hopefully it'll be all right. But there's uh, and we'll get to this after the break, but uh, let's see here. Uh, Assembly Bill 390 would lower the minimum age for an assistant childcare teacher or group leader for school age children to 16. So now we're just yeah. like, let's lower the age so more we can have more child labor in Wisconsin. That's going great. Um, and then, like, yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have younger kids watching our, you know, our kids at a childcare center. So that seems anyway. I'll let you stew on that, everybody. We'll be back after this. 
All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. State Rep Jill Billings is in here. I haven't even gotten to the talk and text line. Okay, that one says Trump. That's not relevant. And uh, let's see here. Uh, Jill, just reading the text. And Jill Billings is, we were talking about childcare before the break, if you're just tuning in. And, and Jill is going to be part of the assembly what do you call it? Committee uh, assembly session where we vote up or down on some of these bills or how does this work? Can you explain how it works? There's six bills you're looking at, right? Sure. sure. And five of the bills came to the children and family committee, um, you know, less than a week after they were introduced. And then um, on the following Tuesday, we voted on them. And so we're basically two weeks after the bill was introduced and people got to see it for the first time. Um, now we're, it's on the floor of the assembly. It'll be on the floor of the assembly tomorrow, two weeks after it was introduced, which is an incredible rush um, for legislation on such an important issue. And actually, any legislation. It's rare that any legislation travels that quickly. All right, so is it a rush? Okay, I understand that it's a rush, but also, like, we knew this was a thing for how long, and these bills could have been in could have been crafted how many months ago? Like we could have we could have been floating these ideas how long ago? Oh, we could have we could have done this two years ago. I mean, yeah, we could have done this uh, quite a while ago. I mean, we could have done it. Um, we could have done it the summer before last when we suggested a summer study committee. We could have done it two years before that. They could have done it. They could have introduced it. They could have sat down and talked with us. And this is the way the Children's Family Committee often works. You know, we we all, I think, are trying to do what's best for um, families and kids in Wisconsin. We're a little different. We're not, it's not a very contentious committee. We really ask good questions and try to get information, whether we're talking about foster care kids or um, now child care or um, adoption issues, or, I mean, we really work well together. Um, but this, so a new legislator kind of just pushed this stuff out really quickly, and it, it surprised me. It surprised me at the um, lack of uh, conversations with people on our side and also um, people who are experts in the field on this issue. They just kind of put this legislation out and, yeah. and rushed it in a quick way. It's not the way to do things. It's just not the way to do things. Because part of me... Part of me says you knew the child care counts thing was ending. It ends at the end of the year, right? The the, yeah. the funding for child care centers. So we knew mm-hmm. that. I mean, we knew that was going to end for however long you want, a year or two or three or four. Um, and then, but the other part of me is like, well, you had to, we have to put out some bills, right? Like at some point we, it's, it's yeah. September. So we only have a couple more months to figure it out. But uh, so there is a, a need to, I don't know if you want to say rush, but put out some bills to, but. But you're saying that yeah. the, the bills well, that were rushed could have been crafted a year ago. We, yeah, we, and we can go back to the budget um, that was just passed this last June, July. The governor um, had child care counts in the, in the budget, and it was stripped from the budget by Republicans. And, of course, people were watching that issue. And so immediately, I mean, I think that was one of the number one issues that the Joint Finance Committee heard about. With child care. Mm-hmm. And so um, then they were asked, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And they said, well, we have a plan and we're going to set some money aside, but we haven't seen that plan. Some of that money would go um, for these uh, low interest loans, 
Um, but again, that's not really a good solution alone, you know, for someone who's not making a lot of money, who's on a razor thin margin, that's not really going to help them. So, um, at that point, I think they started scrambling, you know, what can we do? And then they came up with this stuff that, that they just put out at the last minute. Now, um, you know, I hopefully we'll have some more chances. I left the door open. I, I said to our chair, we've worked on other things before, Let's work together on this, and so hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to to craft some better legislation um, than this legislation that you know allows sixteen year olds to be assistant teachers and well, and then um, and we, put more kids in the classroom in the per the the teacher per child ratio. Yeah, we we've covered three of the six, I think, and the other the other three, I think, you'll have to help me with the name here. Is it factory childcare farms or childcare factory farms? Probably the second <laughs> one, right? Childcare factory farms. These are what these other three bills, in my opinion, would do. Um, so yeah. if you use that in the floor, Jill, tomorrow, just send me the clip. That would be great. Um, let's see here. Uh, AB 389 would create a new category of large family child care centers caring for up to 12 children. So just not solving the problem, just, you know, adding kids to the, to the classrooms or to the child care centers. Uh, AB 391 right. would increase the maximum number of children per child care worker and the maximum number of children per age group in the child care center. So again, uh, just less, less, uh, teachers per child. So, I mean, how many, how many teachers, you know, like maybe that maybe, I, I don't know. So we're just going to like one more, one less adult for how many children are going to be in there. Um, it would also allow group centers to match the average teacher pupil ratio in the local school district. And then the third one is very confusing. I don't even, I, I kind of want to move on at this point, but 392 would change the rules for child care providers with a county certification rather than a state license, allowing them to care for up to six children regardless of whether any are related to the operator. Um, that one just seems like if you have a, your own kid in the child care center, maybe that kid's exempt to the count. But, um, yeah, so we're going with child care factory child care farms or child care factory farms. I think the second one. Well, yeah. I mean, basically what these bills do is they, they look at our child care crisis and they say, well, we're going to do deregulation and we're going to take an – uh, we're, so we're going to change some regulation. So I would argue making situations that are not as safe for our children. And um, they're going to take this profession where over 60% of daycare teachers are saying that they're, they're stressed and they're going to put 16-year-olds in there and then they're going to add more kids in the classroom. And that's not going to do anything for quality. And, in fact, um, you know, there are studies after studies um, that show that's not really the way to go. That doesn't solve the problem. And um, national advisors have said it's not a good idea to solve your child care prop shortage by increasing class, um, n- the numbers of kids per teacher in the classroom, because the concern that there is safety and then meeting the social and emotional needs of those kids. You know, little kids, so much brain development occurs between age zero to five. And kids aren't just lumps of clay. You know, you can't just park them in front of TV sets or leave them in cribs. Nobody, Jill, <laughs> nobody needs to have a good quality system of early childhood education. And when you invest, like Minnesota has shown this, that when you invest in those early years, 
you save so much money down the road. Your return on investment is huge because you save money on incarceration. You save money on addiction issues. You save money on mental health issues. And there, there's just less trauma in, in the world if you can invest in early life of those kids. So this is what I'm asking for. What is, how about this? This is very easy. What is the problem with childcare? <laughs> like, it, it, I'll just let you answer. I mean, what are the childcare centers telling you? What are the parents telling you? Well, the model, I mean, it's, it's a difficult model. It's difficult to make that model work, right? Because, because parents, you know, they can't pay a lot because they're already, there are parents that are paying more for childcare than their mortgage. You know, it's, it's, it's if people understood how how expensive childcare is for parents and and we need a workforce right so we encourage people to to be working um, if if that's what they want to do we want to be able to provide them with quality we want them to be able to find quality childcare um, so the but the if you you know don't have good salaries and and a good working environment for teachers they're going to go somewhere else. And child care centers, you know, it's, it's especially I've heard during COVID from some of my providers that, that just, I mean, price, gout, price gouging was just crazy. So the supplies are become more expensive, rent's more expensive. And so just it's hard to make that, that equation work. Um, so, you know, there are some states that are looking at having employers pay some fund, the state pays some funding, and then the parents, of course, still pay. And so with those three contributing, um, you know, if you can get um, employers who want to put a stipend or help pay for child care because that's how badly, yeah. you know, they want we, someone to work for them, we, we, that, that, is, that is an initiative that some states have undertaken and that have that triune of funding that, that helps. A, the problem with child care is capitalism. <laughs> it's a for-profit thing. <laughs> B... The, you can't have you can't, I can't have my work paying for my childcare because as soon as my my job sucks and I want to move on because whatever I'm depressed it's making me I want to get a new job well now I'm dependent on my job for a healthcare and now childcare so like I don't love that model um, but yeah yep. I mean the the grand scheme here would be just like you take your public education system and make it K through twelve you make it O through twelve right zero years old through whatever you know however you want to do that. I mean, that, that would be the grand scheme. So um, anyway, that'll be – Jill will be probably voting a no on those, and it won't matter because you're a Democrat in the Assembly. That's gerrymandered to Republicans, and those will all pass, and the Governor Evers will veto them. Is that where we're going with this? Do you think these well, bills pass? I can't pass? speak for the governor, but um, I, I would imagine it's not the answer that the governor wants either. But it's not the solution for child care that the governor wants either. Okay, the way you're, you guys are talking in committee about these, will they, will they all pass? These child care bills? Yeah, these six bills we talk about. Um, yes, they'll likely pass. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's disheartening. I feel like at least one, like, hey, you know, the the 16-year-old the that died in a sawmill in Wisconsin and the child labor, you know, laws that, but like, let's let 16-year-olds work in, more 16-year-olds work in daycare centers. Like, what are we, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what are we doing? Look around the country. What happens to child, child labor? And then we're trying to rescind it because we have a workforce problem because- you know, we can't pay workers. Yeah, I think that question, what are we doing, was one of my questions during the, the hearing, the public hearing. <laughs>
Yep. Um, and you know what? It's interesting. One child care provider, she looked directly at the Republican side, and she said, I can see what you're doing here. She said, this is totally political. You know, child care counts is about to end, and people are clamoring for a solution or some some aid, and this is what you're giving us, and it's not good. Nobody likes it here. And, um, but, and you know the governor's going to probably veto it, and then you can look at the public and say, well, we tried, right. but the governor wouldn't go along with us. Yeah, That's go- what she accused them of doing. I thought that was very interesting. All right, we're going to take a break, but I want to re- read Michelle's text, and I'll let you think about it, and then we can come back. Uh, she, it's kind of a okay. long text. We, uh, Michelle says, we had grants for improvement of child care back about 15 years ago or more. Uh, we had to submit what we wanted or needed. We had to list what, we, what was needed to cost, and we had to guarantee we would stay in D.C. for 18 months, or we had to pay it back. So maybe this is a D.C. thing. Uh, we had to submit receipts of what was purchased to ensure that it was used for what it was listed. So, I mean, that's, not, that's, that's like the grants, right? You, you want to yeah, get some grant money. Yeah. Um, but then, again, like if you don't have the money to buy the things – <laughs> down the road, even like right, the, the profit margins aren't there for childcare workers because we have a for-profit childcare system. Um, all right, we got to take a break. I got, we got to do the other seven things that we wanted to talk about in like six <laughs> minutes. <so. Okay. laughs> we'll be back. Uh, all right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line. State Rep. Jill Billings hanging out. A couple more minutes. I'm keeping her from her daughter. That's what's going on right now. She's in Madison. Uh, and you guys, what are you guys going to do? Go out to eat or something? She's going to make me dinner in a new apartment. Oh, so mac and cheese and ramen or something. Uh, oh, she said she's going to make shrimp linguine. Oh, wow. Jeez. I don't know. Pretty fancy. She owes you, though, like all for being a mom. Um so what do you want to talk about? We got a couple minutes left. Um, it all kind of melds together, and I am talking about um, gerrymandering and the maps with uh, Ed Miller from UW Stevens Point, who who is like kind of an expert on this stuff. But uh, did how did the uh, the uh, Iowa ish model is what I like to call it? I'm all about phrasing. You Democrats need to work on your phrasing. Uh, you got to take your hot button issues and give them cool names so people talk about them. The Iowa ish model that Robin Voss proposes because he sees the the sour grapes right of the impeachment of Janet Protasiewicz. Oh, that's not going to be a good thing. Let's create this thing and let's call it the Iowa model when it's not really the Iowa model. Uh, but what, how was that thrown to you uh, as as a member of the assembly, right? This is a thing that the assembly voted on or is going to vote on? Yeah, so we were on the floor of the assembly uh, yesterday. In an unusual move, uh, the the Republicans called a recess for a press conference in the middle of, of, of our voting on the assembly floor, which is unusual. Um, and so then... Uh, we were watching, I was watching on Wisconsin Eye, and, um, and Speaker Voss announced that uh, he decided he was going to stop wasting taxpayer uh, money on lawsuits, which is a joke. I mean, it's amazing, the <laughs> millions and millions he's spent so far. But, Michael Gable. So he, <clears throat> he, he said he's had a turn of heart, and he, so he, now he has said that they're going to special session uh, within 48 hours. They're going to bring a bill on the floor. It's never had a public hearing, so public has never had a chance to give input on this. Um, but it's a, a bill on redistricting. Um, it's not the Iowa model. It's different from the Iowa model. 
in that the power still lies with the majority in the assembly. So what happens is the a commission is created. They advise our um, legislative bureau who cr- would create a map. After they create the map, this is a nonpartisan uh, bureau, which so I'm I I would. I'm, I'm fine with that, but then they submit it to the assembly and who can amend it or send it back. Um, then a, they have a second crack at it if the, if they can't reach a resolution. And then the, and also the governor has a opportunity to veto. By the third map, if no agreement is made, um, and again, the majority party controls all of this because they have the majority votes. Um, then if they can't by the third map agree, then the legislature draws a map. <laughs> so we're back to where we're back to where we were before, where the majority party uh, draws the map and they'll gerrymander it. And so then once again, the will of the people will not be the law of the land because they won't go along with the will of the people. Um, so, so we're, not happy with this plan that they threw at us and, and we'll be on the floor in 48 hours, again, with no public input. Um, they totally cut the public out of commenting on this um, map and or this, this redistricting plan that they have. Um, so it's unfortunate. It's just another way to, for Voss to keep his power. I mean, I mean, I think that's kind of what people in power do, right? They try to do anything they can to keep their power in politics. And so this is another maneuver on his part. And so uh, we will be voting no on that. Yeah, Democrats, as we, uh, in the Assembly. But it'll pass anyway because of the gerrymandering and Republicans own the the legislature. And then will the Senate vote on this? Because I've heard some rumblings that maybe the Senate doesn't love the idea of, of that. The Senate seems a little yeah. bit more, I don't know, a little bit more down to earth. Like, uh, we got to think about impeaching Janet Protasiewicz and, you know, maybe creating this Iowa-ish model that isn't an Iowa model. Yeah, I think um, I think you raise a, a good point that um, I, I don't think that I don't. It sounds like the Senate wasn't consulted with this. So this is this is just Voss running the show. And, well, who is consulted? You know, who? Is it just Voss and like some cronies in a back room doing this? Because you're in the assembly, weren't you? Talk like you said, they interrupted a meeting and it was thrown at you in the middle of a a, a, a session, right? So obviously, you had no idea this was happening. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if all their members knew what was happening that morning when they walked in, or that at one o'clock when they walked into session. I don't know that all their members knew what was what was going to unfold. Um, that that I don't I don't know, but. Um, yeah, the, I, I don't know that the, the Senate is, is, they have not expressed a lot of, um, a lot of support for this idea at this point, at least. So, okay, so um, that, but that's the way it goes. So with, uh, the, the assembly speaker and whoever his cronies are that they, they created a model without telling anyone else in the assembly, without telling the Senate, without telling the public, without letting the public see it in the middle of a session, uh, we're going to change the entire way that we draw voting lines across the state of Wisconsin forever. Uh, here it is. No public hearing. Vote on it in, tw- in 48 hours. That's kind of what yeah. happened. Well, I think they had, I think they had talked about um, redistricting 
you know, after the election um, and the a new, the reality that, that we, there was going to be a new Supreme Court member, right. they talked about, about, well, maybe we can find a way that we can redistrict, redistrict ourselves and um, because we know that there are going to be lawsuits coming, right, yeah. and that are going to throw out our, our rigged maps. So maybe we can find a different way of um, creating maps. And so, you know, they were, they were floating this idea with some people, but the problem is Democrats are committed. We've said from the very beginning, we want fair maps um, that represent the people and the will of the people. And so uh, none of our members really wanted to go along with, with maps that, that would end up with the majority in on the legislature again creating a map and we knew we knew where that was going to go yeah it's kind of hilarious that the the new iowa-ish model is uh we'll we'll create a map and then let the governor thumbs up or thumbs down it and then it's three strikes and you're out and if it doesn't work then we'll create the maps every time the maps have to get drawn they get drawn by uh the courts except for the one time in 2010 when you Republicans control the governor's office and the rest of the legislature. So anyway, uh, Joe Billings, I'm, I, I told you I'd let you go early. I'll just 20 seconds early. That's when I'll let you go. Uh, so you can go to your daughter. 